0: If you're looking for your next beach read, you'll love best-selling author Courtney Walsh's latest Nantucket romance, What Matters Most. Emma and her young son return to Nantucket for a fresh start, still reeling from her husband's death and carrying a long-held secret. Jamie came to Nantucket for one reason, deliver his letter to military widow Emma and move on. But when Emma mistakes Jamie for someone answering her ad to fix up the apartment over her garage, Jamie sees an opportunity to atone for his past. As they work together, their attraction transforms into something neither expected. But the longer Jamie waits to reveal his true reason for helping Emma, the more he'll have to lose. Can Emma and Jamie both learn life is more than your worst mistake? Set over one Nantucket summer, what matters most is a captivating romance. What Matters Most by Courtney Walsh is available wherever books or ebooks are sold. Or visit Tyndale.com for more information about this Christian contemporary romance. What Matters Most by Courtney Walsh, available now. Welcome to Story Chats at NSB Romance.
1: I'm Elizabeth Madry, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Narelle Atkins. I'm Valerie Comer. Today, we are actually going to talk to Narelle about her recent release, Her Tycoon Hero. I am going to read the blurb, um, well, the back cover copy for people who don't speak author lingo, (laughs) because most people don't know what a blurb is probably so here we go cassie beaumont believes in second chances cassie is set on proving she's no longer a party girl instead focusing on her career as an event planner ryan mitchell her dad's top executive proves to be a handsome distraction especially when someone from cassie's wild past tries to draw her back into the life she's worked hard to escape Ryan is taken with his boss's beautiful daughter, but he's slow to trust, having been burned by a brother who ran in the same circles. When Cassie's newfound faith works its way into his heart, Ryan wants to claim both Cassie and her faith as his own. Can they forgive past mistakes and navigate a future together? So this book is actually a re-release. Tell us a little bit about
2: that, Narelle. Well, this book is the first book I ever wrote, which I started writing last century, which seems like a really long time ago when I probably wasn't much older than I would have been about Cassie's age when I started writing this book. So this is when I first decided that I wanted to try writing a romance and it eventually got published by Harlequin when they had the Heart Song Presents line in 2014. It was the first book I sold to them. I ended up getting a six-book contract. Um, So that was the book I sold originally for that contract. But it didn't. It was the fourth one they ended up releasing. They went with my other books first. Yes, so it was a bit of a long and winding journey. It had a lot of changes. Although that opening scene at the engagement party was in the original manuscript, yep. just has changed a lot. Well, congratulations <laughs> As I've learned.
3: on that, Narelle. It sounds like um, it sounds like your oldest book is older than my oldest book.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it probably is. It's, it's very ancient for a contemporary. It's very interesting actually going back and looking at it because I went through it again to do another copy edit before I re released it. And that was quite an interesting experience as well to, to see how technologies changed. And right. um, once upon a time, people weren't running around with mobile phones. No, and no, they there was. Yeah, and you had business cards. instead so You gave business cards to people instead of um, sending text messages and all <laughs> that kind of thing. So there's a whole lot of things that had to be updated and changed in the story. Yes, but it was definitely my learning book. It was the one that went through the contests, the unpublished contest circuit in the late 2000s. And it was, you don't have enough conflict was pretty much my standard <laughs> thing. I was too nice to my characters. And yeah, so it, had, it went through a lot of changes. It was really my learning book. And a lot of people, their first book will sit in their bottom drawer and, and do nothing and collect dust or whatever. <laughs> I definitely will. Yeah, yes, I think you, I would say that you uh, got over
3: The uh, lack of conflict problem. I think you found a place to to tuck in a little, just a tiny little bit of that. (laughs) A little bit
2: yeah so it really was a um yes it was a book that I really learned on so by the time and then I wrote another book which became Falling for the Farmer next and then I wrote the book after this next and then I had three to write for the um, that were contracted with Harlequin so they the other three got written very quickly so it's going to be very interesting going through all these books that I'm now re-releasing um just to see what needs to be done in terms of if I need to do much tweaking or not
1: are they um Are they all six in a series? Like, are they connected or are they basically standalones?
2: Well, they're three and three. So my Sydney books, um, the next one that will be coming out was previously titled Winning Over the Heiress, which I hated the title for because it didn't actually match the story. So it's (laughs) going to be called Winning Julia's Heart. um, And that will be um, on pre-order. I'm just thinking we're recording this one miles in advance. So it'll be available. If it's not available in pre-order now, it will be soon. And then the third one is Seaside Proposal. And that's my roundabout book. Now, if I say roundabouts, you know what I'm talking about? Like a traffic circle yes so it really is it's my roundabout book where nearly everything else i've written except my Snowgum creek books which were the other three books i published are connected to seaside proposal oh. in some way shape or form well that's so,
3: interesting i would never have thought of using roundabout as a, as a hub for book series to connect in but i can't yeah. see it though i mean it makes yeah. sense but that- my brain, Yeah, I mean, you know, I live in rural Canada. I, I see a traffic <laughs> circle, but once every five years, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We don't have many, we've got some downtown DC, but they're terrible. And I go way out of my way to avoid them. There you so. go.
2: Well. <laughs> We have to way too many, to be perfectly honest, and people don't know how to drive on them. And to make life fun, they'll often go from two lanes to one lane very quickly when you go off a roundabout. So you can imagine all the traffic incidents that happen with people that don't know how to merge. But anyway, I've completely <laughs> sidetracked myself. Yeah. So, so um the, yeah. so
3: long as your readers know how to merge from one series <laughs> to another. Yes. How's that for getting us back on track? <laughs> yeah. um, then I mean that then your job is done, right? You yeah. Just stay out of the traffic circle. Stay <laughs> Stay home, write your next book and it's all good. Yes.
2: Yeah, and I think with this one, it was the last book, that it was book six that came out with Harlequin. At this point in time, I didn't have a new contract, wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was secretly very interested in indie publishing before the line got cancelled. I looked at all the things that Valerie and other people Mm -hmm. were doing, like, oh, that looks very interesting. So I sort of put a whole lot of characters in there that I could spin off into different places with different things. So that's kind of how it worked. It was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do next, so I better have some potential in this book to go somewhere. (laughs) (laughs)
3: I'm here to tell you that not all indie authors do that. Narelle, I just want to talk to you about this author I know. Her name is Elizabeth Madry. (laughs) And she does this thing. She does this thing. Seriously, she told me this. She does this thing where she makes sure that her characters, like, if they have siblings, they all have a story. And there's no, like, random best friend hanging out there who doesn't have a story. She just, like, ties up all these little things in a neat little package,
2: My brain doesn't work that way. (laughs) Mine doesn't either.
3: Uh, Does Elizabeth's really work that way? Apparently, apparently it does. (laughs) Apparently it
1: does. I'm like, I need some only children in here so that I don't have people dangling around.
3: (laughs) It's an interesting mental picture. Yeah. All right, Valerie, to you. The story is set in Australia, is that right? yes and all of yours are so anybody who's looking looking for a a flavor of down under should definitely um look these up so in the um in the blurb the description uh, that Beth read a few minutes ago we uh, we find out that cassie has a wild past would you care to share just a teensy tiny bit about what that wild past was and how that actually plays into the story because there's no point yeah. in being too sidetracked if it doesn't matter you know <laughs> yeah the story
2: yeah right. all right well i'll try and do that without giving away spoilers but um cassie's um father's mother so her paternal grandmother okay. um was an alcoholic so mm. her father is has a very great sensitivity to alcohol issues and different things because he was raised by a mother who went to church every sunday but drank like a fish And so that set him up, I think, for some very interesting dynamics in his own life. And so her parents have divorced Mm -hmm. and she's basically, I mean, I've talked about in a blog post in Inspiromance back in February Mm -hmm. about how I grew up in a very, what I would call an alcohol saturated culture. Like alcohol was just everywhere and normal and unavoidable and so and I grew up in Sydney on the northern beaches where Cassie has grown up as well so I've kind of drawn on that in the story and she has the genetic predisposition to um, have an issue with alcohol and she started drinking and it made her feel good and it made her feel less anxious and it fixed all her problems and when she did something dumb she could blame the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a lot of young people get lured into um, these types of substance abuse issues because it basically it's a very quick feel-good fix that sorts out a whole lot of short-term problems, gives you an excuse to like not have to take responsibility for bad mm-hmm. behavior because you were drunk or whatever. And it just becomes this lifestyle. And some people can walk away from it and not drink and it's not a problem. And other people are just hooked. And Cassie is one of those people who just was could not stop social drinking effectively. And if she, oh. she was out and there was a drink going, she was there. And um yeah, and it took a lot of stuff for her to, to really hit rock bottom. And so she had her mother, her sister, her best friend Julia were people that really supported her. And it was through her hitting rock bottom. This is all backstory, by the way, it's not actually in the book. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so through her actually reaching rock bottom and actually working programs like AA and different things, she basically discovered God and discovered Jesus. And so what happens in her life is that she needs to try and turn around the ideas and preconceptions that people have of her, that people assume she's a drunk girl that's doing stupid things. And that's not who she is now because she's a new person in Christ now that she's a Christian. So I think I really wanted to explore a lot of the judgmentalism that can go along with um, people who have made those life-changing decisions and other people in their life not necessarily being on board with that and also to give people hope that um, Jesus can save you from um, your alcoholism and your addictions and different things as well. And it's not necessarily a guarantee, yeah,
3: One of the things um, that you just mentioned a minute ago is um, a blog post that you wrote on um, Inspiromance. And I'm sure most of our uh, listeners hopefully are familiar with our blog, inspiromance.com. But in that um, you brought forward, this was the February blog post, Mm -hmm. I think. Yes. Um, Brought forward how, um, how Christians tend to perceive drinking in stories, in general, not, not just in romance novels, but in in Christian fiction in general.. Yeah. And um, I know there's a lot of people who just um, don't want to read about it like at all. They don't want to read about it if it's a casual glass of wine at it at a uh, dinner party or a special event. Or champagne at a wedding they don't want to read and they definitely don't want to read about it if somebody is being um, disorderly <laughs> in their yeah in their drinking w- were there anything uh, any comments or responses to your blog post that surprised you in that or can you give us kind of a general summation of of what you may yeah. have found in that uh, yeah. in the responses to that
2: Yes, well, I think there were over 60 responses and I did screenshot the Google form and and the percentages so you can have a really good look. Um, But I'd say at least half the people who responded um, just didn't want to see anyone drinking in a CCR it doesn't matter whether it was good bad or indifferent there was a lot of people that were not interested in seeing that and some people um from a biblical perspective said it was sinful to drink there was that perspective that came out there were also people who were like what's the big deal i just don't understand why anyone <laughs> even cares like really why, why is this even- a topic yeah why is this a topic but then it's also the cultural differences so i remember in the 80s watching footloose mm-hmm. and i just thought it was hilarious it was like this 1950s view of the world and then I found out later that the 1980s in the midwest was actually like that in certain places and I nearly fell over like I thought seriously it's so different so I mean I think we all have preconceived ideas and come to to and we have different denominations as well I think that matters in the Christian faith I think there are some people that have um, a denomination that will basically say no drinking ever as well and other denominations are a bit um more laissez-faire, it's like do whatever you want, it's not a big deal. So there's all those kinds of issues that come into it as well. But at the end of the day, in Australia right now, after the pandemic, we have a massive issue with people that are addicted to substances because they've been stuck at home. And one of the things that was open was the bottle shop, and which is probably what you call a liquor store. We call it the bottle oak. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it probably doesn't surprise you there's an Aussie phrase (laughs) yeah and I think that people had nothing to do in the pandemic and were watching Netflix or whatever and um and drinking was an easy way to to entertain yourself so I think there's some social problems that come from that Mm -hmm. Uh, you've got issues with babies being born with fetal alcohol syndrome I have um family members that have had um issues with alcoholism that has led to them passing at an earlier age than they otherwise would have Um, I have family relationships have a difficult relationship with one family member who is a long-term addict including alcoholism is probably this person's main issue and it really does affect people it affects families and um, in the story I look back at the story now and the character I really relate to is probably Ryan because like he's really he finds His Sean, his brother's drink, his brother's behavior um, in the way he acts and whatever is just so hurtful to his parents and watching his mother suffer and all that kind of thing. And I think one of the things that Cassie needs to probably learn in the book is that there are consequences to your behavior. And just because you've changed doesn't mean that everyone sort of gets with the picture and catches up with you. You've still got to mend fences (laughs) and her relationship with her father because of his experiences as a child with his mother. um, He's really scathing of Christians because he looked at his mother doing all the right Christian things, but she had this out of control drinking problem. And so she's, Cassie really has to look at her relationship with her father and, and in part of her personal growth in the story is to overcome that. And then Ryan with his younger brother who's been out of control and was friends of Cassie back in the day as well, so up to, up to the same sort of things that she was, yeah. um, he's been missing and... It's caused a lot of pain for his parents. He stole money from Ryan's employer. So he gave him a job. What does he do? He embezzles money and takes off and disappears. So he has a lot of baggage as well, connected to what his brother's doing. So a lot of sort of past family things that have come up in the story. Go Beth.
1: Well, I mean, you took mine because that one I'm was I'm sorry. Mine. No, that's okay. <laughs> no, Valerie took mine. I Mine was to ask about the blog post, but you've now done that. Um this
3: is what we are So good at planning,
1: you know. <laughs> um, and then, and then Narelle, it already hit our third one was to talk about family pressure and expectations and how that feeds into, um, you know, the, your characters. And I, I think you yeah. kind of already, you already hit that. So, um, so, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot more. Um, I, I think we've hit the big things for all of that that it does talk about some of these bigger issues. It's not a heavy book. Um, it's not one where yeah. you're gonna be like, oh, this is a book about alcoholism. And it's it's not, it's still it's still a feel good romance. It's, you know, it's not weighed down um, right. no. by well, sometimes the here
3: The term edgy romance or edgy fiction. And, and even though some people might class this as edgy because of the alcohol, yeah. um, I wouldn't put it there. I wouldn't uh, either personally because it, it fits very solidly in um, Christian contemporary romance.
1: Well, yeah. especially because all of the the really bad stuff happened before chapter 1. Um yeah, too. so anyway. yeah, most of it. Except for that <laughs> conflict that Narelle managed to
3: get in. <laughs> in <recovery>.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um it, it is interesting um when you were talking about the, the responses you got from your blog post, that was really interesting to me. I remember um, one conversation that happened in our reader group, um, the inspy Romance Reader Group on Facebook, and um, someone in there basically equated a caffeine addiction. She was very angry that so many people use coffee in Christian fiction because a caffeine addiction is just as bad as an alcohol addiction. Um must have missed that
3: conversation
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um I think you know people have their own tolerances for for anything like that but um I I applaud you for going there (laughs) because I mean if you read my books you know I'm not scared to go to go into those places but um sometimes people are and I mean readers don't always want to go there and I get that so but yeah. I I think you you went there and you handled it really nicely
2: yeah um yeah
3: thank you yeah. and, and you, I
2: probably and should clarify
3: mm-hmm. all in one book and when I yeah. tackled it at all it, I s- spread it out over like <laughs> I
2: don't
3: know six eight books
2: yeah <laughs> it could be smarter yeah but I suppose I probably should clarify that um I actually, as an author, like because I've seen like in my family and with different things, the negative consequences of alcoholism, you Mm -hmm. won't find my main characters taking a sip of alcohol in my books. And that's something that's between me and God, if that makes sense. And I don't expect other authors to, to do the same thing as I'm doing, but that's probably my thing. So Cassie, Um, One of the things in the story she also has to deal with is that she works in hotel management and she's looking at getting a job in North Queensland at an island resort and everyone's like, well, you know, there's bars at the pool and there's bars indoors and there's alcohol everywhere. Like, is this really where you think you should be? And so she does deal with the, the reality of when she's under pressure in the story, when things aren't going well and things happen, she is tempted to drink. Yeah. And I don't think I hide from the reality of um, there are some people who will always have an issue with alcohol. Yeah. It's just the way they're wired. It's, it's the way it is and they can never have a sip down the track and, and it be okay. It's always going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in the story, we don't have characters drinking.
3: Yeah.
2: You do not. So just <laughs> to clarify, if you don't want to see drinking in a book, you don't have a problem with this one.
3: <laughs> Her thought process though was, um, I'm going to say interesting and consistent across uh, a variety of areas. So just as she's looking at this whole thing of, oh, that's my dream job. I always wanted to work on an island resort and here it is, this is my golden opportunity um, without thinking about all those nitty gritty little repercussions that she's not the same person she was back when she first got this dream, but all the way through, she—how do I put this? Looks at things a little bit naively, like that, or doesn't quite, yeah. um, quite connect the yeah. dots on things where you're looking yes. at and you're going, "Come on, girl, yeah. really?"
1: Like, yeah, there were definitely some that? moments where I'm like stop and think Cassie because um, yeah. take a breath and and think it through this is like yeah. what I'm trying to work on my 14 year old with and you apparently need a little remediation also yeah. pause and think and it's, <laughs> but but it's the culture
2: yeah it's the culture so and that's probably one of the things that um if you've grown up in a culture that doesn't have a big drinking pot like Um, it's when alcohol isn't a part of the culture you're in then you would look at her and think oh she's so dumb like seriously but when alcohol is just so much a part of the culture that you Mm. live in and work in then I don't it's like she it's like the walls are blue if that makes sense she just doesn't see she I mean she's never been in an environment that doesn't have alcohol saturation as being an issue if that makes sense that's totally fair yeah yeah Yeah. But and did. that's what makes it hard. Need,
3: she did need somebody knocking on her head occasionally.
2: Yes, and we all do. None of us are perfect. And just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you immediately have this massive change and no. your life is now perfect and you don't sin or do anything wrong. I mean, that's not how it works. Wouldn't and that be
1: nice? Yeah, it would
2: be nice, but it, it's not reality. So I really wanted in this particular story to show that it is a real struggle to. Um, change your mindset and to challenge things that you always thought as being good and right and normal that suddenly are not good for you anymore as well yeah
3: but I, I think like speaking of that that whole thing of you know whether or not someone would have a drink in a story I mean pretty, pretty rare for me to have a glass of wine. Let's just put it that way. One or two a year, maybe. (laughs) I'm sure there's been plenty of years gone by where I didn't, you know, where there was no special enough occasion for that. I generally tell people, I I prefer to eat my calories. Thank you. (laughs) I enjoy them a little more that way. But um, I think in the the space of story, I think it's um, important not to um, glorify it. Mm Or to um, yeah, just if if there's if it's going to be there, then there needs to be some talk, and possibly there needs to be some consequences if uh, if it's more than a passing something. So.
2: And I'm what sure. you've articulated has just been what I think most, probably at least a quarter of the people in the survey mm-hmm. I did were saying exactly that. If there's if there's alcohol in the story, it has to be there for a reason or it's just going to distract and annoy me. And yeah. if it is there for a reason, then it's not to be glorified. There's If people are overindulging and are excessively drinking, there needs to be consequences. Yeah. Right. I route. wonder,
3: though, if those readers are willing to go through six books to find out what happens <laughs> to that character. <laughs>
1: <Maybe>. <laughs> probably i will say um i tend not to put any alcohol in my books unless it's um going to result in something bad so um generally speaking if you see one of my characters drinking something something's coming down the pipe (laughs) um but it so my characters do tend to uh drink a lot of sparkling apple cider which is non-alcoholic here in the united states and i only found out that this was a strange thing when I had an Australian editor um, do a couple of my books and she was very fascinated by the, she's like, they're drinking all this cider. And I'm like, well, yeah, because they don't drink alcohol. <laughs> and she's like, hmm? Oh honey, it is. What? <laughs> because apparently uh, cider, in australia is only of the alcoholic nature not no
2: there is there is non-alcoholic because my parents never drank and so apple cider to me was non-alcoholic so i'm quite happy to run with that but i think i'm the (laughs) exception to the rule (laughs) for that particular reason
1: that would be
3: known as hard cider
1: right and that's what we would call it here as well would be hard cider would have alcohol in it um, sparkling cider would not but anyway it was very funny and I was like no yep. it's, it's not, a, it's
3: not a <laughs> <one>. <laughs> promise but but that is I mean it just underlines the fact that right, um, right here we're representing three different countries three different parts of the world and yeah. that's three out of many yeah. so it's only a bare barely a representation of the fact of the international nature of our readers, our listeners and uh, people in general, really.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, minor characters probably aren't such a problem, but if you're, if you've got a point of view character drinking and you've got a reader who has an issue with alcohol, then you're taking them somewhere that they may not necessarily want to go. And I think that's probably for me, that's, I I don't want to take my readers who may have issues with sobriety into a place that could be dark for them. And yeah, that's sort of where I landed on that one myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean I would think we would want to basically feel that way about anything. You know, we yes. in general, I don't think we want, you know, the goal is to entertain and uplift always. Um more so you, you know than drag drag people to places that they don't need to go. Yeah. Um that's and that not that they didn't expect to go. Right, or that they yeah. didn't expect to go. That's that's never I mean, I don't even think like super deep, hard hitting topic, edgy Christian fiction is ever intending to drag someone to a dark place. Um, it's it's intended to show the light that show Jesus the light. Can bring to dark places, um, but it should never leave the leave the the reader in a dark place
3: ever. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. A final questions for Narelle.
3: Um I don't other than um we've been doing this podcast for just a little over a year now, which is crazy. <laughs> um but I wonder if we should um get Norelle's bio. Oh um, just in case there's somebody <laughs> who um has been listening to her sure. and knows she's from Australia but doesn't really know that much about her. Um, Do you have it handy, or
1: norel? I can I can pull it up and read it real fast.
2: I don't have it handy. (laughs) You don't have it memorized. I I will have some books coming out that are set in the U.S. Okay. Yes. So I have. I'm currently working on that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I would be very hypocritical if I did not allow that.
1: All right, why is she not on the, oh, there she is. I'm like, I was just pulling up her bio from Inspire Romance. So, Narelle Atkins is a fun-loving Aussie girl at heart, born and raised on the beautiful northern beaches in Sydney, Australia. She is settled in Canberra with her husband and children. A lifelong romance reader, she found the perfect genre to write when she discovered inspirational romance. Narelle's contemporary stories of faith and romance are set in Australia. You'll need to update that when they're no longer just set in Australia.
2: I forgot to do. I've actually got and international locations added. I'm gradually working my way around the online world and updating my bio. So I need to go and update. Yeah, your inspy
1: romance bio needs (laughs) updating. Yes. But that that'll still do in a pinch, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Excellent. It's not too misleading. No, no, indeed. Well, thank um, you for
2: talking about my book. It's been me. fun. Enjoy I mean, I'm in the hot seat a bit, like with not a lot of preparation, but that's what we're doing to each other. So it's all good. Yes. <laughs> yep. We picks. apparently weren't super prepared either.
1: Well, we did, we had questions. We had a good conversation.
3: We did. We did, we did but well. It, that wasn't the same thing as preparation. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's fair. That's fair. That was good. All right. Though. Fine. Fine. <laughs>
1: Um, If you have questions for Narelle, I know she'd love to answer in the comments. Um, And I I feel like maybe I ought to clarify. When Story Chats at Nsby Romance responds to your comments, that's me. Um, Everybody else, I think, like Narelle, you're there under Narelle. Yes. Valerie hasn't actually commented on our
2: YouTube comments. Yes. I think she has. I'm (laughs) certain she she has. Maybe once or twice.
1: All right. Not often. But probably as Valerie. So I'm the one... If, if you see story chats responded to you, that would be, that would be me. Um, which is why I always am like, yay, when people agree with what I'd said. So, <laughs> <laughs> just so, you know, if there was any question, um, but do leave a question for Narelle, if you have them um, about this book, not just in general. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure she'll be in there to answer them. And we're so grateful that you joined us and, um, Looking forward to seeing you again next week. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell. And um, you can find information about the podcast at inspeeromance.com slash story chats. And honestly, you should be reading the blog just at inspiromance.com. Just leave the story chats part Because there's lots of good stuff there. (laughs) Um, We will see you next week. And in the meantime, don't forget to fall in love with a good book. Bye everybody.
3: Bye. Goodbye, folks.